This is, our, this is our third week of looking at who we are as a church. Uh, we were reminded the first Sunday of this year that uh, our mission is to help people meet, model, and magnify Jesus. That's our mission. That's our purpose. That's why Friendship Baptist Church exists. And we were reminded of that the first Sunday of this new year of 2024. Then last week, we were, we were reminded of our path. What is our path for getting to where we help people meet, model, and magnify Jesus? Well, that is through four aspects. That is through connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. The path, the way, as we were reminded last week, of helping people meet, model, and magnify Jesus is through connect. We connect them, first of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we connect them to our church. We connect. Then, hey, that's our, that's our evangelism. Connect. Well, then we grow. Grow in our faith and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. That's our discipleship. That's, our, that's the reason for our Sunday school classes. That's our reason for our Bible studies. To grow to grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus and to grow in our faith and to grow in our relationship with Him. And then from there, we move on to serve, to serve the Lord according to His leading and His teaching. Because see, once we've begun to grow, then we have an obligation as a church in order to help people meet model and magnify Jesus to serve, to serve the Lord. And that's why so many of, of, of you, so many of our faithful people serve in the various ministries of the church with the intent of helping people meet, model, and magnify Jesus. So we serve. And then from there, we share. As we're serving, we should be sharing the good news of salvation with others. And as we do that, in accomplishing and working our way down that path of helping people to meet model in Jesus, there's some values that we have as a church that we're going to speak about in these weeks ahead. The first one we saw last week. As we help people meet, model, and magnify Jesus, as we connect, as we grow, as we serve, and as we share, we realize that undergirding all of that is that it's the Bible that guides us. And we saw that last week. Can I just tell you that, that Friendship Baptist Church is a Bible church. I hope, I hope, 
And I, I hope that you realize and understand that, you know, all churches are not like our church when it comes to this Bible. The Bible guides us when we teach, whether it's a, a, a young child up in the nursery or whether it's a senior adult class of people, whether it's coming here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday morning Bible study, whatever it is that we do, we are going to allow the Bible to guide us. That's one of our most important values. The Bible guides us. It is our foundation. It is our source of reference. It is our unmovable guide for everything that we do. And if we're doing things, I hope you understand and that you'll be part of it this year as we go through this year of 2024, that you will realize that the things we do are according to what the Bible says, because it's the Bible that guides us. Very, very important that we realize and understand that. Well, we heard about that last week. This week, we're moving on to another aspect of our uh, connecting, growing, serving, and sharing in order to help people meet, model, and magnify Jesus. And that is that prayer empowers us. I pray, and I pray often, and I hope you do too, that we will be a praying church. I don't know about you, but I, I, I am excited this year that we are reading through the Bible. Every, every morning when I read those, when I read those chapters, I thank God for all of you who are reading the Bible along with us this year. Because the Bible will guide us. That's why it's important. We are a Bible church and we're reading through the Bible together this year. And I hope as you do that and as you will continue to be faithful doing that, that you will be blessed by what you read, that the Bible will truly be your guide, that it'll be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. That's the prayer for me. And that's my prayer for you as I read my chapters each morning. So the Bible guides us, but also prayer is what empowers us. Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at a verse here, and then we're going to look at uh, some aspects of prayer and um, hopefully glean from God's Word uh, some important information concerning prayer, our prayer lives, and how the concept and the whole uh, issue of prayer impacts and affects our lives. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. You know, I believe the Lord knew our natural tendency to neglect this privilege of prayer that we have. Because he spoke to Paul, instructing Paul to write for us and everyone down through the centuries, verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. 
He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Prayer is for all and for everyone. He says, watching. Do you see? Watching thereunto. That word, that word watching in, involves uh, the sense of not being lazy in doing this. Be fervent. Be diligent. Don't be lazy about praying. It's very, very important. How, how seldom, how seldom do we persist in praying? Oh, we shoot up a quick prayer or, or uh, uh, give God a, a, a glancing look as we come into His presence, but do we really persist in prayer? Can we say that we're praying always with all prayer and supplication? In the Spirit? How often may, may we get right up to the verge of a great blessing in prayer, and then what do we do? We stop praying. We get lazy about our prayer. We are not diligent. We are not persistent. We do not continue. We become lazy. We quit praying. Let's look at the importance of praying. Why is it that constant, persistent prayer is necessary? Well, I believe the Lord, through the Apostle Paul there in the letter to Ephesians, tells us. He says in verse 11, you see, there's a, there, there's a real enemy that we face. None other than the devil himself. We need to persist in prayer. Look at verse 11 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. He says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, we need to pray persistently because we face a real enemy. He's powerful. He's deceptive. He's continually plotting to derail you from your Christian life. He's continually plotting your downfall. What does 1 Peter 5.8 say to us? I always think of this verse when I think of the wiles of the devil. He, do, he does what? Peter tells us, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know the devil's number one priority is to destroy your life. Now he knows he can't get your soul if you're saved. God's already taking care of that through salvation, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He can't get you. He can't have your soul, but you know what? He can get your life. 
and he can ruin your life. And he is bound and determined that he will go to any extent to take your life from you and your Christian life in serving God. In verses 14 through 17, as, as we follow uh, down through there, uh, we see the, the, the list of what the armor of God is. It's the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But Paul sums up the whole message of the armor of God in verse 18. Because he says, praying always. Do you see, you see, Paul tells us that everything we do in putting on, when we're putting on all of that armor, there's another thing that we must add to that. And that is prayer. Because without prayer, all spiritual battle, regardless of how well equipped, how armed we are, will be in vain. Whenever we neglect praying while we're putting on the armor of God for battle, the devil will win the victory. So we need to put on the armor. But while we're doing that, Paul says, praying always. So whether it's you or me as an individual, or us as a church, corporately and together, the only thing that's going to empower us to live victorious, meaningful Christian lives is prayer. Because it's prayer that will empower us to do that. Well, do you know prayer was important in the lives of the apostles? You know, God set forth 12 men initially as apostles. And those 12 men, I believe, were examples to us of what God expects Christians in every generation to be. Well, do you remember in Acts chapter 6, there was a little controversy that arose in the church where uh, those, the, those Greek uh, Jews uh, felt that their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution and administering of the, the food and things. And then the, then, then the, the Jews, the, the, the native Jews from there in Jerusalem, uh, they felt were getting special treatment. So the Greek believers thought the Jews, the widows, the Jewish widows were being favored. Well... What was the most important thing that the apostles were to attend to? It wasn't waiting on any of those widows. Oh, that was part of the ministry. But you know what they did? They selected deacons to take care of that part of it. What was the most important business they were to be about? Well, we find that out in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. You don't need to turn there. But do you know why they picked out seven men to look after those details? 
Because the Bible tells us. The, the, the apostles said, but we will give ourselves continually to, what do you think? Prayer and the ministry of the Word. Prayer was important to those early apostles. You know, prayer was important to the Apostle Paul. If you read through the New Testament, you know one thing that you'll conclude is that prayer occupied a major part of the Apostle Paul's life. All you have to do is read through the New Testament. Read through his letters. In Romans 1.9, Paul wrote to those believers in Rome, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. He said to the church in Ephesus, when he wrote his letter to those Ephesian believers, he said, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. When he wrote to the Colossians, he said in verse 1-9 of his letter to them, he said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. You know, Paul loved, I think Paul had a very special uh, affection for the church in Thessalonica. Because I think that becomes very evident as you read First and Second Thessalonians. He loved that church. He loved that church so much. And you know what he said in First Thessalonians chapter three, verse 10? He's writing to those believers, and he says, "Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith." Night and day, he prayed for the people in that church. He prayed for that church. And then in 2 Timothy, you know, 2 Timothy is Paul's swan song. That's the last letter that he writes to his beloved son in the ministry, Timothy. And you know what he said to Timothy, or what he wrote to Timothy in uh, first, 2 Timothy, first chapter, verse 3? He said, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night. You see, fervent, continual, persistent prayer was important. And it was important to those early apostles. It was important to the Apostle Paul. But you know something else? Prayer occupied a prominent place in the earthly ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you know Mark 1.35 tells us that he got up early in order to give more time to prayer. Prayer was a priority for our Lord that, as you read there in Mark, do you know the, the previous day was a very, very busy day of ministry and work for our Lord Jesus. He ministered all day 
that day before. But prayer was so important. It was such an important part of his life that he got up early the next morning just so he could have more time to pray. As you read over in Luke, the night before he made the decision, the night before he selected his apostles, the Bible tells us that Jesus even found it necessary to pray all night before he chose those apostles. The words pray and and prayer uh, are used at least in the four Gospels, Pray and prayer are used at least 25 times in connection with our Lord Jesus. And he prayed many more times than that. Do you know in John 17, one of the most most, uh, well-known and most important, best-known prayers that Jesus ever prayed, doesn't say he even prayed. It says he lift up his eyes to the Father. So Jesus prayed. It was important to the Lord Jesus. And do you know that was important during the time of His ministry here on earth? But you know what? Prayer is still important to our Lord. Because do you realize that that is one of the most important parts of His present ministry in heaven? Christ's ministry did not end with His death. You know that. His saving work was finished then. But when He ascended to the right hand of God the Father, He began another work that may be just as important as His work of saving you and me. He saved us by His sacrificial death. Do you know He keeps us saved through heavenly intercession, prayer to His Father. Hebrews 7.25 tells us that Jesus is able to save us to the uttermost. You and I have been saved, but I don't think we've been saved yet to the uttermost. Because to the uttermost is Jesus' continuing work in our salvation. Oh, He saved us from our sins... But you know, He's saving us for something else. And you know what that is? That is His uttermost. We are being saved to the uttermost. That is to entire completeness and entire perfection. And Hebrews 7.25 tells us that Jesus does this not only because He died, but also because He ever and forever and ever and ever liveth, you know why? To make intercession for you and me. Is that a precious truth? Let me, do you realize, do you realize today that if you are a Christian, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are one of His children, do you realize that at this very moment, there is a heavenly conversation going on between God the Father and Jesus Christ, His Son? 
As he's seated at the right hand of his Father, you realize today that he ever liveth to make intercession for you. Intercession. You know what he's doing today? He's praying to his Father for you and for me. That's the importance. That's the importance of prayer to our Lord Jesus Christ. And then can I say also that prayer was important. Talking about the importance of prayer. Oh, it was important to those early apostles. It was important in the life of Paul the Apostle. It was important to our Lord Jesus. But you know what else? It was also important to that early church. Church, prayer should be important to us. Acts Chapter 2, verse 42 says this. Acts 2.42 says about the early church, the people in that early church, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. That early church, probably that first church, was a church that prayed steadfastly. If we're to experience fellowship with the Lord and with one another, we must give ourselves to earnest and persistent prayer. As Paul told us in Ephesians 6, 18, praying always. We can also have a part in the intercession by taking advantage of our privilege that we have of prayer. You know, you have a privilege that not everyone has. As a believer, you have the privilege of interceding and praying to God for other people. That's one of the greatest privileges that we have as a church of believers praying for each other. And I hope that you regularly and Often, intercede on behalf of others by praying for them. Can I encourage you to do something if you haven't done it already? If you're reading through the Bible with us this year, and I hope you all are, if you are, you see this little flap on the edge of your bulletin? That's perforated. You know why it's perforated? So you can tear it off. Could I suggest to you or ask what here's what I do I leave mine attached but I use that as my bookmark as I'm reading through the Bible this year And you know when I open my Bible to the chapters that we're going to read that day do you know one of the first things I see And you know what's on my bookmark? What's on, what's on my bookmark? It says, prayer needs. People in our church, and people that people in our church know who are in need of prayer, there are their names listed right there. So you know what? When you open your Bible to read those chapters for that day, that list can appear to you if that's your bookmark, and you can be reminded to pray for those folks on that list. 
Fervent, persistent, constant prayer is one of the privileges that you and I have as believers. Well, we could go on forever about prayer, but we won't. Let's go to, um, uh, if we would, uh, uh, thinking about the effects of prayer. You know, Bible, the Bible is our guide and prayer to empower us. You know, they go hand in hand. Because when we read, as we read God's Word, He speaks to us. That's the reason we're reading through the Bible. This is not just academic exercise. We're reading through the Bible because we want God's Spirit to speak to us as we read. The Bible guides us. But it's prayer that empowers us. When you read the Word of God each day, God will speak to you. But when you pray, you're speaking to God. You see, that's how they're interconnected. That's why they go hand in hand. Well, why, why, do we, why do we need to pray? What are the effects of prayer? You know, we say prayer empowers us. Well, why, why should we pray? Why do we need to pray? Can I just tell you that one of the reasons is prayer empowers us to become more like Jesus Christ. Do you know what David prayed? In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, I believe that's a very sincere prayer of David. He said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you know, as we read the Bible, the light of God's Word penetrates the heart and our eyes are opened. An answer to a sincere prayer. If we're praying the right kind of prayer, God will cleanse the sin and He's faithful and just in forgiving it. And as we meet God each day in sincere prayer with a contrite heart, we're going to be changed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Every day of true prayer will result in us becoming more like Jesus Christ. If we allow God's Word to to speak to us, and we confess our sin to Him. Prayer empowers us to become more like Jesus Christ. Prayer empowers us to live for and to serve the Lord. You know, instead of going through each day confident uh, that, uh, that we can rely on our own talents and our own abilities, we need to give ourselves up to God in prayer, surrender our lives to Him, and allow Him to use us as we wait on His power from on high. Prayer empowers us to become more like Christ. It empowers us to live for Him. It's instrumental in having others be saved. Do you know only eternity is going to reveal those who were saved because of the faithful, persistent prayers of other people for them? Few people are saved in any other way. 
than in connection with someone's prayers. Do you realize that your salvation, the fact that you are saved, may be the result of someone's prayer for you? Do you then therefore pray for others? Before you were ever saved, there could have been someone praying earnestly for you to be saved. It could even have been a prayer that you were not even aware of by someone that you didn't even know was praying for you. On the other hand, today, if you're not a Christian today, if you're not saved today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, do you know that there may be at this very moment somebody praying for you to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Today could be your day of salvation. Your response to the gospel today could be God's answer to somebody's prayer. You see, there's power in prayer. Prayer empowers us. And do you know prayer also brings blessings to the church? You know, since the church began, it's faced difficulties, problems, and challenges. In addition to that, you know the devil hates the church. He seeks in every way to hinder it. And you know how he does that many times? That Satan opposes the church. He tries to hinder the church. You know what he does? He divides people and he defiles the doctrine. That's his mode of operation. That's how he tries to destroy the church. Corrupt the people, divide them, and corrupt true doctrine. But you know, prayer can clear up misunderstandings. It can unite people. It can preserve and restore doctrine. Because prayer is powerful. We often say that prayer changes things. But you know what? Prayer can also change people. And we need to keep that in mind. Before we close today, I want to mention one more prayer. It's found in Acts chapter 12. And verse 5 gives us the keys to powerful, effective prayer. Well, we've talked about prayer empowering us, but what kind of prayer is that? Acts Chapter 12, verse 5, I think, is the verse that gives us the key to all of that. Peter was locked up in prison. There's a prayer meeting going on in a house. They were praying for Peter. And look at verse 5 of Acts, chapter 12. Peter, therefore, was kept... In prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Without ceasing, prayer was made. You see, that's the constant, persistent kind of prayer that we've been talking about. 
Those people were meeting. They prayed. Every time I think they got together, and this occasion was no exception, they continued and kept on and persisted in praying for Peter because they did it without ceasing. Intensely would be another good word there for without ceasing. Because that word is the same word that's used in Luke chapter 22, verse 44. Remember when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane? The Bible says, being in agony, being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. That's the same word to describe the prayer of these people for Peter. They prayed without ceasing. But also, notice that not only was their prayer without ceasing, but their prayer was by the church. It was a corporate prayer. God delights in His corporate prayers of people whose hearts are knit together in a common prayer. That's powerful prayer. Prayer was not only without ceasing, but it was by the church. You see, where there's real agreement in a body of believers, and they're in perfect harmony concerning God's will, and the Spirit lays the same burden on a group of people, effectual results occur. Prayer was unceasing. The prayer was by the church. And do you see that the prayer was for Him? <laughs> they, didn't engage, they didn't engage in praying for a bunch of vague generalities. They had a need. They knew Peter was locked up. And they prayed specifically for Him. They didn't offer their litany or their grocery list of a bunch of requests. Their effectual, fervent prayer, as James talks about, was by the church. It was unceasing and it was specific. It was for Peter. They prayed for him. Earnestly, confidently, specifically, trusting in God's will for Peter to be accomplished. And that's the key to effectual, fervent, constant, unceasing prayer. And how powerful were the results? You know the rest of the story. A little bit amusing as, as we think about it. Peter was released from prison. He's knocking on the door where that prayer meeting's taking place. The little girl answers the door. Lo and behold, it's Peter. She doesn't even let him in. She doesn't even answer the door. She goes back and tells the people. They got what they prayed for because their prayer was powerful because it was specifically for Peter. It was prayed to God. It was unceasing. And it was for him specifically. And what results for the church they were empowered to do more in the area of prayer, I believe. You know, prayer makes God real to us. 
There's a whole number of reasons why we should pray. Prayer makes God real to us. When you enter into His presence, do you really sense that you are in God's presence? You know what we generally do? We rush in to God's throne room. We throw up a couple of requests to Him. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And we dash out. We do that so often. But prayer makes God real to us. And it's a source of joy. Do you realize that David said in Psalms, in God's presence is fullness of joy? Do you realize that one of the benefits of praying is that when you pray, you come into God's presence and you know where your joy is full? According to the Bible, it's when you're in God's presence. That in and of itself should be enough to challenge us to pray. To pray earnestly, fervently, daily, persistently, and continually. We've said a lot about prayer. And we're going we're to stop. But can I mention to you one more aspect of it? And that is, we know prayer empowers us. But what's the most important prayer that anyone could ever pray? It's the prayer of salvation. Lord, I've sinned. I know I'm a sinner. And I admit it. But Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ died to pay for my death penalty that I deserved. And by faith, I'm not trusting in myself, but I trust in Him. Because He died for my sins, and now I don't have to. Lord, save me. That's the most important prayer that you could ever pray. And if you've not prayed that prayer before you leave today, we want to give you an opportunity to be saved, to pray the most important prayer that you could ever pray. The prayer of salvation that you might be saved. Have your home secured in heaven throughout all eternity. Oh, prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. And that's the greatest prayer that could bring about the greatest change in any of our lives today. If you're here today and you're not saved, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask that we just have a brief time of invitation uh, as we uh, get ready to close the service. And if you have any questions about how you might pray this most important prayer to be saved, I'm going to encourage you as we uh, bow our heads, close our eyes, as our uh, instrumentalists and musicians come for the invitation that you might just come forward, ask me, ask one of us, how can I be saved? How can I pray that most important prayer? Because that is the prayer that will empower you to live throughout all of eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we begin this time of invitation, we thank you for the privilege that we had and the opportunity to scratch the surface of this topic of prayer. But Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to hearts, that we'll commit ourselves as Christians, new and afresh, to prayer life like it's never been before. 
And Lord, if there is someone here today who's never prayed that most important prayer of all, Lord, I pray that they'll call on you, that they'll cry out in prayer to you, that they might be saved. And Lord, if they have questions about how to do that, that they might come forward, that they might speak to one of us, that we might show them that you will answer the most important prayer that they could ever pray. In Jesus' name, amen.